Sketches from Scripture from author and filmmaker Paul Andrew Skidmore. James 4, 7, and he will flee. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The noble Tamas exited the wormhole and slowed into orbit around Calypso. Like a freshly molted gar snake beneath the surface of the stormy Maris, the Tamas floated vulnerably in the low-orbit soup of ice and dust around the icy moon. Until the crew could find their bearings, exiting the particle fog would give away their location prematurely, ensuring destruction of their precious cargo. The purple aura of the wormhole illuminated the toxic ice. An invisible heat fence protected the forward viewport, but the shuttle could not withstand being pelted by the tiny acids for too long. The Tamos sliced a blue laser in front of them, scanning for larger objects. Soon the shuttle had its bearings, a clear path, and the courage to emerge. Slowly it lifted, speeding into a higher orbit. The view of the solar system was breathtaking, though its expanse provided little cover to make it to the next wormhole, just past Hama, four phases away. A course calculated, the Tamos carefully pushed out of orbit and injected toward the red planet ahead of them. Halfway through the first phase, alarms sounded, flashing red in the cockpit. From the opposite side of Calypso, the defiant Pertho emerged. The forward viewports flicked and dimmed, glowing a dark blue. Battle mode. The Tamos increased thrust, though outrunning a destroyer would be a challenge for a small shuttle. Destroyers were well-armed and heavily fortified with numerous defenses. The Tamos was betraying its creator's intent with this attempt at far-faced travel, but it was necessary for the security of the agreement. The Pertho opened fire, rocking the Tamus. The aft shields would hold for a while, but not enough to transit the three remaining phases, and with most power rerouted aft, the shuttle was now vulnerable from the front. Using the remaining energy, the Tamus emitted a high-power distress pulse. Radio waves sped through the empty space. But would they land in the hands of aid? Suddenly, the shuttle rocked, causing screens to flicker, engines to growl. They were stuck in the deep blue glow of the Pertho's tractor beam. The Tamos quickly shut down its engines. They were no use against the powerful destroyer's tow. Having submitted, the Pertho ceased fire against the small ship, perhaps hoping to attain its cargo for their own mutinous purposes. Now safe from enemy fire, the Tamos routed all power to its polarity shield, emitting a high-power magnetic field from the ship. As it neared the Pertho, lights on the destroyer exploded, rooms dim, pods jettisoned erratically. The magnetic field was wreaking havoc on only a small portion of the large ship, but it was enough to cause anguish. The Pertho's blue beam disappeared, and the unpropelled Tamus drifted in the cold expanse, close to the Pertho still meddling with the larger ship. A golden beam engulfed the Tamus, pushing it away. At an effective distance, the Tamus quickly shut down the polarity shield to conserve energy, but they had already spent enough to keep them from making it to Hama much less the wormhole beyond. The Pertho seized the opportunity and fired again upon the Tamos. A solid blast to the aft rocked the shuttle and sent it spinning. There was no choice but to engage the engines and level out. Rear shields engaged, and the blue glow returned. The Tamos shut down and fired up the polarity shield. Nearing the Pertho, the blue beam turned yellow and pushed the poisonous little craft away again. How long could this go on? The destroyer could no doubt endure it longer than the Tamos, but the Tamos would fight. The mission and the cargo were too precious. The deadly dance would continue as long as the Tamos could last. A great shadow cloaked the Tamos as a giant craft emerged from the wormhole behind them, crashing through the icy foam circling Calypso. Ten times the size of the Pertho, the Aerotes floated across the shuttle toward the destroyer. 
The Pertho fired on the Eretes, having no effect on the powerful shields generated by the flagship's nuclear core. The Eretes did not fire back. There may be those on board the Pertho who opposed the mutiny, after all. The giant craft crossed above the destroyer, a vivid orange beam shot from its keel, consuming the Tamas, pulling it slowly closer. With the Tamas's polarity shield still engaged, the orange beam sailed the tiny shuttle over the spine of the Pertho, sending a train of electric anomalies through the ship. Soon, every light on the ship sputtered and died, and the ship itself began a slow plunge, pulled by the gravity of the icy, barren Calypso. It would be hours before the crippled destroyer could restore itself, but perhaps the defunct electrical system would be sufficient for faithful Unioners to retake command of the Pertho. Meanwhile, the Eretes banked toward Hama, swinging the Tamos with it. Pointed squarely at Hama, the Eretes pulled its orange beam forward, thrusting the shuttle ahead, releasing it toward the red orb ahead with enough momentum to cover most of the three-phase distance without fusing a single ion in its energy core. Every signal on the prow of the Eretes flashed red. The Tamas blinked its aft signals bright red in gratitude. Barring no more delays, the Tamas and its cargo would soon arrive safely at Union Hall on Ziva, if it was still there. 